All right, we are going to jump into BJ members' questions for Spartan and to possibly join us with a strong opinion of his own. We've got SD1 in the room. How's it going, SD1? Sometimes I have strong opinions. <laughs> and uh, just just for those wondering, we've got 8,500 hours worth of blackjack in this room, which is, for those wondering, a year of nonstop blackjack play in this room. So, And we're still up. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is that, the best part. All right. Hey, and thank you, BJ members, for all the great questions for Spartan. That was uh, thoughtful of you guys. And Spartan, thank you for answering BJ members' questions. Thank you in advance. You're very welcome. So here we go. Spartan, if you were to travel constantly from a home area, do you try and maximize memberships for travel, like Hilton Honors, the same airline all the time, etc.? No, I do not. I have not figured out the best loyalty programs when it comes to that. The, some of the things that I have done is I based myself out of Vegas and I found an apartment that's relatively close to the airport. So about 12, 15 minutes away, Ubers are pretty cheap there and flights relatively cheap, no matter where you want to go out of Vegas. And I have this issue where I just, I have to take the cheapest flight possible. So I'm constantly riding either Spirit or Frontier and just never getting anything extra, trying to cram everything into a, a, a personal item that my bag barely makes the cut for a personal item. Like sometimes I have to shove it in the little, uh, what, what is that thing? The, um, to test the size. Yeah. Yeah. Where they have in the front and, and I have to like really cram it in there. Um, yeah, you see that bag right there, but that's kind of what I do to save money. And, and when I do, uh, my rental cars, I just go to autoslash.com. Yeah. And then I, I just find the cheapest economy car. Not Turo. No. Okay. So shocker, I'm going to weigh in on something, but you need to decide what your priority is. If you have a smaller bankroll in particular, expenses are a big deal, or you just want to be on the cheap because Spartan doesn't necessarily have a bankroll problem. He just wants to spend the least amount of money on the expenses. That's one priority. The other priority, if you're bougie like me, I only fly Delta and it definitely pays off for me to be loyal to them because of upgrades, I'm treated, getting in the lounges, et cetera, with my travel. And the same thing applies with certain hotel rooms too. You are going to spend more money, but at some point in your career, you might decide, I'm okay with that and I'd rather get those perks. But you can't game those systems really anymore. It's almost like most casino comps, they keep getting worse and worse and worse. And Delta just made theirs much worse. With the premium loyalty, do they call you, sir? I get notes sometimes on my seat that thank me for my business, like handwritten notes. Oh, actually, I, I, I do remember something. I had a connection who had a connection who worked for Southwest. So if you're an employee for Southwest, you can... Uh, give a companion pass to a friend or family 
And strictly speaking, I, I don't think you're allowed to sell that, but I made a, a deal with somebody and got unlimited standby Southwest flights for about two years. Oh, wow. And kind of paid a one-time fee for that. So that was very nice to just, oh, I loved Southwest after riding Spirit so much. Oh, I miss those little snacks that they give you, those like trail mixes. And the only problem with the standby was that every once in a while, particularly after COVID, during those crazy times, um, if they overbooked, I was always the last to get on. And there were many occasions where I ended up being pushed to a later flight. But outside of that, it was really great to just book last minute flights anytime, anywhere. I mean, SD1, you remember that one time I just... I wanted to watch that movie, what, 1917? <laughs> and uh, my wife didn't want to watch it. Uh, and your girlfriend great. at the time didn't. So I just like flew over for one day just that's, to watch that's that. That's across and the country, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I love that story. Like, if you want to watch this movie together, I'll fly out to you to watch the movie. Yeah, it didn't cost me anything. So, so speaking of getting bumped when you're flying standby, when they overbook a flight, the airlines... And typically the big three will offer more, but they'll offer money or vouchers for people to step off. Well, I tend to just wait until it gets ridiculously high. So I got $1,500 cash because they are authorized to do cash to fly out the next morning. And the reason I got that is because at the end of the day, there were multiple people that were willing to take it, but my status made me the one that got the offer so i win i have i have no loyalty <laughs> to airlines all right spartan what bet spread did you start with and how did it evolve over time the bet spread i began with was one hand of 15 dollars at minimum and under uh, i played uh primarily uh mgm detroit six deck game Hit 17, double after split, resplit aces, no surrender, about 1.5 pen on average. So minimum bet $15 to two hands of 150 at a true five and above, which I was actually very over betting for the money that I had. Made a lot of money. Well, I got lucky initially and made like 18 grand within two weeks and then lost it all fairly quickly and needed to put up a loan for $10,000 with a high interest rate. You didn't need to. You chose to. I yeah, I'd rather I I chose to do that because I didn't want to wait till all my paychecks and I was just really antsy and I wanted to play more. So, I did that thinking that I can make it back, but this time I did it right and I played two hands of 80 at my top bet and slowly rebuilt my bankroll and i decided i also on weekends to uh drive two hours north to soaring eagle where they offered very similar pen but they offered surrender so it just kind of made my game a little bit easier and i i i, I remember sitting down and doing the math because it was a two-hour one-way drive but i only did that on weekends so how did it evolve you, so yeah doing, that's so about that one that, to ten um, fifteen to two by eighty Built that up to like 30 grand. And I think I was doing like two by 200 at that point, very briefly before Levi Mish and I pooled our money together for a 60K bankroll overnight and went from two by 200, two by 500. 
and got backed off everywhere in our local <laughs> city just what about so quickly what about now what do you bet when you play yeah so i went from two by 500 to uh gradually two by thousand for a bit with the team and now i'm fairly comfortable with two by 500s at the moment if i did want to maximize again i would go to two by thousand but man joe I just don't feel like doing what you did and running around all these casinos across the country, getting backed off everywhere, trying to find that one place that lets you spread like that. That's just exhausting for me. So I'm actually taking more of like a, like a Scott Chow approach to the game, sticking around in Vegas and kind of optimizing a bit and not really exposing that big of a spread. Although yes, I, I occasionally for the most part do two by five hundreds. With a hundred men, I, I stick to the uh, higher limit tables. You've kind of tested the waters and and realized that like two by five hundred is sort of more tolerable. Yeah, when you're playing hundred men, that's the thing I've noticed is twenty five men tables here in Vegas. People are sitting down and playing that for the most part. That is what they can afford to play, if even that. So you don't see that much variation in bets, and that's a pretty good tip to as an AP just just look around and see what other people are betting in relation to you. If you hire the biggest better in the pit or the casino, chances are they're watching you. So when I sit over at high limit tables or 50 to a hundred men, uh, I try to play with other people who I see betting large amounts of money and actually varying their bets. It's nice if you can. I, I just feel like in my blackjack career, 80% of the time I've been the guy betting the most in the room, uh, you know, as far as my top bet. But I mean, of course, yeah, if, if I could sit at a table at Bellagio and people are betting, you know, thousands and I'm betting, you know, up to two by 800 or something, that that would be great. I, I mean, it's good advice. It's just you get to a point. Usually I think a lot of us are the biggest bettors in the room at times. Yeah. But at the very least, they're not calling it out and saying, you know, black action or yeah. uh, purple because it's all black action exactly do you have rules on when you would increase or decrease your bet spread i think what they mean is like when you'd up your betting unit based on winning streaks or decrease it based on that's how i'm reading it not really because i have a pretty set bankroll at this point that i don't change and my risk of ruin is 0.00 percent so there's really nice. no <laughs> but before like when you were before that growing. yeah it's um wasn't a strict system but for the most part yeah if i lost 25 percent of the bankroll we would resize it and for increasing i i don't know we we never really i mean we could have always afforded two by a thousand pretty early on it's just we didn't like exposing ourselves that way it's just the back offs came so much faster and two by 500 is just, it's a quite a healthy ev rate per hour i mean i just i, I don't need to make a thousand dollar hour the ev so yeah. i made that decision started to hit the road again a lot i, I would probably do less than mm-hmm. what i was doing two by one thousand i'd probably do it yeah two by 500 600 
I say that now, but then when I'm on the table. That's so funny. I was just going to say, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. You'll, the first shoe, you'll be, you'll, I'll, I'll count myself a two by 500. Second shoe, you're like, screw this. I, I have considered though, like if I did, you know, had like a losing session for a couple of hours, just temporarily upping it to two by a thousand. I mean, I could afford doing that whenever I want. So, but no, I haven't done it yet. Okay, here's the next question. I'm just going to read it to you. As a full-timer myself, I would love to hear how you separate blackjack bankroll from daily living expenses and bills, including any emergency funds set aside since, you know, we don't have steady, consistent paychecks. Oh, I know. So how do you separate your bankroll from expenses? I want to say for like the first four years, I did not. My net worth was my bankroll. and I like took out the minimum I needed to pay my expenses, rent, food, things like that, and just kept focusing on growing the bankroll. And now reached that point where um, I can have that set bankroll uh, aside in cash. You know, I still have some loose cash laying around as well, but try to put in the bank, investment, index funds. Did you ever have any sketchy situations where the team's losing and you'd like need to pay bills and so things were getting tight? No, no, not really. Because um, during the time where it was the worst, I didn't have really any bills to pay because I didn't live anywhere. Um, it was just gas and just the food that I needed and maybe hotels when I couldn't get a comp room. A lot of times I just slept in the car or couch surfed friends' houses. That seems to be the approach for a lot of full-time card counters is like... um their bankroll is like everything they have and they're just as cheap as you mm-hmm. possible and everything else. And then just kind of, it's just kind of building up in the background. I did know a guy who played for years and he couldn't take that approach. Like he needed a feeling of a steady income. So he would track his hourly EV and then bi-weekly. He had a separate checking account and he would put the hourly EV generated every two weeks into a separate bank account. And he did it that way. Yeah. I, I think really to, my opinion for whoever's asking this, it really depends on how risky that is for your situation. I mean, I was already married and we basically could live off my wife's income the first two years. So I could just everything I made just stayed in the bankroll or reinvested. But then we were like getting a mortgage and stuff. And it's like, I don't want to lose, lose my house if we go on a losing streak. So that's where we'd always set aside six months. But, but if you don't have those expenses, if you can just be really scrappy, that's great. If you've got other responsibilities, liabilities, then take care that you don't find yourself in a bad situation. Absolutely a great point because I should add that I was young and single and could afford to live that way. I had waited till I was had a l- certain level of financial security before I went out looking for a life partner. Cause that, yeah, that would not work out and I wouldn't wish that on anyone to live that way. <laughs> yeah. So make sure y- whoever's listening that you don't put yourself in a situation where a losing streak means you're going to end up, you know, not able to pay rent and, and all that, but yeah, young and scrappy, go for it. Spartan, when playing double deck, do you play through more negative counts or do you sit out until a reshuffle? I normally play through it all. If there is another player, quite often I might sit out the last round or the last two rounds if the count's negative, but shoes go fast and it's got to really tank in the beginning for me to consider getting up and trying to find a reshuffle because there's only so many times you can go to the bathroom per casino 
I think, before that feels suspicious. How low of a true count would you say, yep, this is worth leaving? Mm. A running count of negative eight within the first half deck of a double deck, so was that true for negative five? You still, though, on occasion will try to, ju- like, I understand I do the same thing, right? But you'll still wong out on occasion, just not, like, as aggressively if it's, yeah. No, if I'm if I'm heads up and, like, I'll just play through it many times. So you won't occasionally be like, all right, I'm going to go use the restroom really quick and mid-shoe when it gets really bad on occasion? No, yeah, definitely. I do it. I just kind of limit how often I do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. So you will pick your spots and still like not play all negatives. Yeah. I don't want people listening to be like, okay, there it is. They they play through negative counts. Run the numbers on it. Fortunately, the people in this room with our years continual blackjack play, there's the bankroll to play through negative counts. Each person in this room can afford to play through. You know, of course we don't want to, and we we pick our battles when to on double deck. Yes, the specific, question specifically double deck. Uh, but I just want anyone listening to make sure you run the numbers before you say Spartan and SD1 said play through negative counts. Oh, and yeah, also primarily the double deck games I play have half deck pen. And you know, even a negative 6 within the first half deck played, that has a decent chance of recovering and getting some positive rounds in. Next question, what is the best Korean barbecue? In Vegas. Oh, yeah, that was ping pong, wasn't it? <laughs> so funny. I'm the one that asks them all the time about food. <laughs> yes, uh, Huaro, H-W-A-R-O in Vegas. There's actually two locations. I think they're the same thing, but I think usually they're rated as the number one Korean barbecue if you just look it up on Google. I love it. They blast K-pop like it's a rave. It's very similar vibe to the uh, sushi restaurant we went to the other day. Uh, so you would hate it, Colin. <laughs> no. Well, I love the sushi. The K-pop was just a little loud. Yeah. But uh, no, I kind of feel like going to Huaro now. Yeah. No, it's it's great. We should go sometime. Uh, the AP move there is because it's all you can eat is limit the rice that you get and just get the premium meats, uh, figure out what you like, and then continue ordering that. And then there's some appetizers that are really good, like a uh, Korean fried chicken and something called the shit. Oh, yeah. I guess it's we called that. Yeah, 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 it's very similar. I think it's a little bit better at Huaro than that sushi restaurant that we had, but definitely check that out. All right, this next one is really tough to answer. We'll see how this goes. What is the ultimate bankroll to have for Card Kang in today's game? More is obviously better, but if you could put a minimum number, I've gotten used to zero point zero zero percent risk of ruin and just never having to resize. I mean. My initial inclination is saying a hundred grand, but that's a little high because you you can still make a pretty decent living with under that. Since your options start getting very limited, because at a hundred grand, you you can at least play a hundred minimum tables, which I've grown very accustomed to playing only black chips. But sixty, sixty. What about you, Colin? Yeah, it's just so tough. Everybody's got different goals for card counting, but. Everybody does have access to betting software and you can kind of see a different, what's the goal? If it's to make 200 an hour, well, yeah, you're going to need at least 50K to comfortably do that. Or maybe, maybe 60K to do that. If you want to have fun making, you know, 15 bucks an hour of EV on, on your weekends, well, you maybe need a 
five or 10 K bankroll for that, depending on the games you have access to. So it's, it's just really hard. I think if I were saying I'm going to be a professional full-time card counter, it'd be, it would be really nice to have a hundred K to really withstand and, and uh, to be able to play more games and have risk real low. So good answer. I concur. What about you guys? I'm curious what your answers are. I started off with 50 K as a part-timer at that time, my ex-wife and I had a stepson and I don't think that I would have been comfortable with a 50 K bankroll with that situation, much like you, Colin, there's other responsibilities involved. I think if I were by myself, when I started 50 K would have got it done 60 K now. So I, I think I agree with you and I definitely agree with you that I would much prefer that it would be a hundred K still. <laughs> yeah. If you're just going to hit the road. Yeah. Like, full time like 100k and like 50k in reserve for my own peace of mind for expenses and well not only that the downturns can be absolutely br- the brutal and if if you have to resize it's just nice to have some cushion i don't know joe so this is just kind of the minimum we're all just assuming oh, okay. full-time right. professional live off of blackjack just enough to get through one shoe no, <laughs> i i don't know i mean i you went professional with a 5k bankroll. <laughs> yeah. I also didn't have any kids, you know, didn't have any major financial responsibilities. So in, in that scenario, I mean, that was still a little bit low. I mean, I, I'd say probably around, I don't know, maybe 25. It's no. so funny. It's so funny because other than SD1, we all started with, what did you start with, Spartan? Like 5k. Yeah. We all started with 5k-ish, but... And we're all like, yeah, you need a hundred, but we were comfortable grinding and spending months building it to a, you know, sustainable. God, I remember when it felt like so much money, $5,000 in your pocket. It's just like, whoa, squad cash in my jeans. Well, I think what we learned here is I'm a chicken because not only did I start with a much larger bankroll, but I still had a job. So I was just scared. Yeah, that was the right way to do it. Yeah. You were in a different situation. I wasn't single, but I was 20 two years old and uh, didn't have any debt or, you know, expenses could live off of Grace's 2000 a month income. <laughs> It'd be fun if we made a game out of this and all four of us started with $10,000 and in one year who makes the most money just off that without losing it all. And you have to play with only that and resize as you grow or lose. Let's do it. But can we wait a few more years for my kids to be out of the house? Because there's no way I'll win. I think that'll be fun. That'll probably make it a lot more fun. You have enough kids. We could just do the experiment with the kid. They can each have 10,000 and then we'll see. how. No, I want to win. You, of course, are funding all of this for your kids to do it, though. If they test out. (laughs) Moving on. Have you discovered anything recently that you've been wrong about for a long time? Yes. Well... I wouldn't consider it wrong, but something very new that, I mean, within like the last year, I think I heard you say it to somebody and I was like, whoa, I didn't know that. On a six deck game at an exact true three, taking insurance is not positive EV. Is that correct? Yeah. 3.2. Yeah. Did not know that, but that helped shape how I made the decision because when it is borderline, Say, you know, it's a running nine, three decks in of a six deck shoe. You know, it's like a very, very close, you know, I'm still like wondering, has it made the three deck mark yet? Because that's one that's a little iffy for me, I'm 
sure for everybody knowing the exact time you're halfway through that shoe. When it's like that, I just don't take it now. Like I'm, I don't bother myself into thinking like, it, am I close enough? Because I know that at an exact true three, it's not a positive play. That's a good one. Anybody else have an answer? Oh, actually, I had one today because we were kind of doing a little experiment and I didn't realize how slow and how many few rounds an hour you get when there's two other players at the table. I mean, three is just, you kind of know it's super slow, but like even two, I thought wasn't that bad compared to heads up, but it's pretty significantly slower. It is. A lot slower. And we'll be putting out that information soon, what we've been working on. But yeah, if I could redo my career, there's some different table decisions I would have made that I think could have had a big impact on my AV when you consider the whatever 2,500 hours I played. Um, Mine's similar to what Joe just brought up. So I was hell-bent on not playing negatives, which is a good thing, a BJA-taught thing. Like, why would you play negatives? And oftentimes I would sit down with two, maybe even three players so they could eat up the bad part of the shoe and the negative counts and I could walk away and everything. But I would have definitely prioritized rounds per hour. Yeah, same, same. I thought of another one that I wanted to add. First two, three years of playing six, eight deck games, I moved to two hands at a true one. Uh, I don't do that anymore. I realized how small that edge really is, and it's not worth exposing, opening that extra box, and then having to take that away when it dips back down immediately. And also just the attitude that I had compared to now walking in the casino, being a card counter for the first season of my life. I thought I was hot shit. Just always thought like I am the most dangerous badass in this casino. Mm -hmm. Turns out there is always, there is always somebody smarter than you in there. And for the most part, they're not counting cards. So I had an attitude adjustment, you know, a couple of years ago where I realized like, okay, like this is a humbling experience to see that there are always going to be somebody else doing something else crazy. And I just got to keep my eyes open for that. I would add on to what you just said about at the true one going to two hands. If you are going to go from one to two hands, not doing it a one also significantly reduces the amount of time you're going between two and one hand back and forth. Mm -hmm. So that's also a big deal. I typically play two hands all the time now because I do think, and we've talked about this at boot camp, that that is a thing that can get you picked off. But it may not be just that as a whole. It might just be something like the frequency of it because what is the count that you're typically in the majority of the time that's positive it's around that one two mark so doing that at a one it definitely it's back and forth back and forth way more frequently so i think there's also an added bonus that if you're not spreading to two if you're going to go from one to two at a true one not only what you brought up but also you're not looking different than a gambler as often and a little Pro tip, if you're playing heads up, don't switch from one to two. Just either always play one or always play two. I'm not going to get into the, the math now, but yeah, a little, little pro tip. 
All right. We got a couple more questions. How many hours are you getting monthly now? I would say it's between 50 to 80 hours. I'm still fairly fresh into getting back into the game. So we'll see how that average changes. This month was, I mean, the past month, October was fairly crazy for me with a lot of other things. And I also have another uh, side project that I'm working on as a film producer. So that's taking up a significant amount of my time. So 10 to 20 TBD. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Do you prefer solo or team? I don't know what they mean by that. If they mean like joint bankroll or if they mean like, uh, you know, spotter BP team play, but we'll leave it up to interpretation. I think I will always prefer being on a team working with other people in theory it's gotta be the right people but if the stars align yes definitely would want to work with other people and share the ups and downs together and have that camaraderie it just makes the game a lot more fun and less lonely yeah same z's <laughs> SD, SD was shaking his head. I think I prefer solo. I mean, I love like, you know, working on stuff together and like having other APs around when you're playing. So it's just nice. I mean, it's always better to have, but I think just like for card counting, if you're just going, I don't know. Yeah. I just am more comfortable just like going at my own pace. I'm on Team Joe. I think the exact same way. Other plays like or things that you're doing or like in the short term, it's really fun to get a group together and and execute on those plays that are more short-lived and but the big thing about the camaraderie is that fortunately i was blessed with bja so and some really good friends that really helped those harder parts of like being a lone wolf but play wise yeah I'm, i'm with joe all the way that is a very valid point i am a solo player right now and not currently looking for partners to team up with and i'm having a blast i'm having a lot of fun right now and i still have my ap friends that I can talk to whenever I want to. Final question. Will you ever leave AP behind? Probably not. It's just been such an important chapter in my life that even if I completely detached from it as a revenue stream, I think I'll have some sort of presence within the community always. And I'm just itching for the day that I am old enough that they won't bother me for ID and I can act senile <laughs> and just get away with straight up counting. That was a funny thing that Tommy said at the boot camp was that he can pretend like he can't hear, hear them <laughs> at the casino because he's a little older now. I was like, oh, that's great. Use it to your advantage. So this is very likely that I will have another season of Blackjack somewhere in you know, if I make it there in my 60s, 70s. So, but you're going to start looking old in about 40 or 50 years from now. So yeah, that's the, that's the curse of being Asian. What about you guys? You have an answer to that? Yeah. I mean, it's just so hard to not, if you drive by a place to not want to go in and just fire away bets. Like when we were driving to the boot camp we were passing by the silver sevens and it, there was a like construction around it. It just looked like really dumpy and it advertised three to two black. Tra- I, I just wanted to go in there so bad right before we started just to get a few shoes in. Uh, it's funny because 
Loudon Often and I, after we left the restaurant, we were standing outside and Silver Sevens is right across. And we had that exact same conversation about, you want us to go over there and fire some bets really quick? Like, <laughs> I feel like we can get a little bit of time in. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of an assumption that advantage play is like something you can turn off. Like, you know, I've played card games with with these guys and their advantage players, whether we're at a casino or not. Oh my God. My wife is constantly thinking I'm trying to keep a running count on something like Uno. <laughs> and I'm just trying to play the game. I was playing Battleship with my 11-year-old daughter and I was crushing her because I'm just like, okay, where would she think? It's all around the edges. She uh, thinks like the, the border of the screen, I would never pick. It's so game after game. <laughs> and I feel kind of bad, but I also don't know how to turn it off. Crushing your child. That's good. good she's, she still had a good time. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, playing uh, code names with your kids and just reading their eyes where they were looking. Within five minutes of teaching Spartan the game, he's AP'd it. We've been playing with our kids uh, this game called Rook. It's like the Christian poker. And we teach it to the kids, but then I'm, I'm like, you have a partner in it, and I'm in between rounds trying to explain to them the game theory. You know, like, oh, no, you really need to be thinking about it like this. And they're just like, oh, Dad, we're playing a card game. Trying to raise them right. I just want to go in and bet and have fun. Jeez, Dad. <laughs> and another uh, quick question for Spartan. Since you took a little break, have you noticed anything different, particularly in Vegas, about playing, like the climate of playing right now? Certain places where you generally thought were quite sweaty are actually quite tolerant now. I'm going to leave it at that. But then are the places that were tolerant before, are they now sweaty? Does uh, it absolutely. I'll be open with that one. Red Rock, oof, recently downturn. I mean, something happened. I don't know the exact, what it, I mean, maybe they just got fed up of being constantly hit by people because I think we were sort of kind of through BJA, like preaching, like, hey, Red Rock, if you want to get time in, go there. <laughs> so now they're extremely quick to get to back off high limit particularly and they will even go as so far as to send out a mail like bolos to a lot of properties a lot of them uh not just stations so uh be careful of that but the ones that you've uh generally thought were quite sweaty you know just reconsider it just be an ap go and check it out yourself no matter what you hear it's probably the best advice i can give i remember we were trying to get you know some undercover back off footage of Loudon and Sassy Red playing at El Cortez because naturally where else would we go in Vegas to get a quick shot of the back and they never got I left because they were playing so long they weren't getting backed off and I was recording the whole time I was like I was running out of space on my camera like I couldn't yeah six months ago Stephen Bridges and I I thought it would be funny if like the two most prominent card counters on YouTube went and played on the Las Vegas Strip. And so we're going to get some undercover footage of us getting backed off. I didn't get backed off in it's like three hours of play, betting up to $800. And it could happen the next day, but these are places I'd been backed off multiple times before. So yeah, good advice, Spartan. And, and if you're new to card counting, it's like three hours doesn't sound like a lot, but if you've played in Vegas, sometimes it could be like really quick. Sometimes it could be 20 minutes. Like it can be really fast. So three hours seems like a blessing. Yeah. Generally in Vegas, three hours of table time equates to about six hours of real time, unless you 
end up being able to just sit and play. But saying, you know, you got three hours of play in general, it means you're hopping around different casinos, driving through parking lots, walking in. Yeah. It was a couple hours at least of playing time. Anyway, we got to wrap this up. But thank you so much for answering the Q&A, for sharing where you've been and, and where you're headed and giving back to the community. Very welcome. I'm, I hope to uh, do this again soon and have a more active presence on the forum and in the community as well. Awesome. So for those listening, if you want to learn more about beating casinos with blackjack and card counting, check out blackjackapprenticeship.com. And if you're a member, then say hi to Spartan on the forum. We'll see you next time. Bye.